Hi, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BKA Wealth Consulting, and welcome to Market Minutes for June 1st of 2021. I invite you to look at our disclosures for important information on our website, as well as the email in which you receive this broadcast. Well, getting started tonight, this is going to be a, a slightly different type of approach that we're going to take to Market Minutes, uh, whereas uh, we've been doing a voiceover slide uh, type environment, we're going to shift and do a podcast and we're going to try to make it a little bit shorter, make it uh, maybe a little bit uh, harder hitting on the relevant data and give you essentially the news you can use for the next week. Uh, we're going to continue to take a, a look back on what happened over the last week and then just kind of use that to frame perhaps our brief expectations for the week coming up. So uh, with that, let's get into the data. So last week, uh, the week ended May 28th, uh, the last week of May. Uh, the Dow Jones was up nine tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 was up 1.2%. The NASDAQ was up 2.1%. Uh, for the year, the S&P 500 is up about 11.9%. The Dow is up about 12.8%. Uh, and the NASDAQ is up about 67 so as we kind of look at across the uh, investment landscape, we've got uh, the Russell 2000, which is up about 15% uh, for the year. We look across the globe, we've got the MSCI World Index up about 10.8%, the MSCI Europe up about 12%, and the MSCI EFA Index up about 9%. When we scroll over to emerging markets, we see that emerging markets for the quarter is up about 3.4% and about 5.4% for the year. Uh, volatility overall this year across the entire spectrum has really dropped uh, down around uh, six percentage points. And we're now looking at a VIX around 16.6, 16.8 in that range. Uh, for the year, uh, bonds, as defined by the Barclays Aggregate Index, are down about 2.3%, although they were up. Uh, they, they've been up about 1.1% uh, for the quarter, and that's after a fairly stellar year last year of uh, up 7.5%. As we look at uh, the commodity basket, crude prices, uh, WTI crude is trading around $66 a barrel, and it's up about 37% for the year after having been down 20% last year. And if we look at natural gas, natural gas is up about 17%. Uh, 0.6%, about $3 in MCF, uh, and that uh, is, follows uh, another fairly stout gain uh, in 2020. Now, gold, for its part, is about $1,900 an ounce, and it's been trading in a range uh, for the better part of the last several months. It's up ever so slightly for the year after being up about 24% uh, a year ago. Now, the dollar is something that we've been watching. Uh, we've seen a little bit of movement in the dollar. Uh, the dollar itself, on as, as defined by the DXY, is barely moved for the year after having moved down and then moved back up. Dollar was down about uh, just under 7% a year ago. And then uh, really, finally, the, the one thing I want to look at, 10-year Treasury, we're about 1.6%, uh, and that's up about 7 tenths of 1%. Uh, year to date. And in the quarter, we've actually dropped after having gained. So we're down about 15 one hundredths of a percent uh, in just this quarter to date. So if we talk about uh, what happened last week, stocks rose, kind of closing out what we call a mixed month, but it was a positive note that we ended on. 
Uh, we had a little bit of reversion to first quarter trends. Inflation-sensitive sectors like energy and materials uh, were the leaders, as well as financials. Uh, as, uh, meanwhile, technology lagged quite a bit. Uh, and the uh, small caps, as defined by the Russell 2000, beat the S&P 500 by well over a percentage point. Uh, and if we kind of read through Fed officials and what they're saying, they continue to kind of channel this ongoing support for the economy uh, and keeping interest rates low, which in turn is helping to support uh, high valuations uh, in the equity markets. Although uh, earnings continues uh, to grow for the index, and so that's actually pushing that multiple down. Uh, in the fixed income markets, uh, treasuries were sideways for the most part, uh, and uh, we had uh, rates that continue to ease a little bit. And then obviously we have the positive equity market performance. Uh, and uh, that's uh, heightened credit spreads. There's a really positive feeling about what, what credit is doing now, very uh, strong sense of complacency and confidence in, in where the economy is headed. And so uh, high yield bonds are trading really, really close to investment grade, uh, which is interesting. And I mentioned crude prices uh, were up about 4% for the week, and we had a little bit of turbulence in the energy markets uh, related to Iran. Now, Iran is, you know, the, the rhetoric now is that perhaps some of the uh, sanctions and whatnot are going to ease and we might see more Iranian crude on the market. Uh, but uh, it looks like that's being counterbalanced a bit by some of the increased travel. We see this in our high frequency data that uh, that not only, you know, are TSA checkpoints moving uh, higher, uh, but also miles driven and gasoline demands really picked up. And that's kind of helped our energy basket. If we look at the consumer side on general economic data, uh, consumer confidence was a little bit off uh, in May. And we had uh, a drop in forward expectations as kind of the inflation theme kind of kicked in gear. And there was a little bit more of, you know, fear of inflation entering the equation uh, and perhaps a, a fear of the economy overheating with all of the stimulus uh, and, and some of the witnessed inflation that we've already had over the last month or so. And so forward expectations were uh, dro uh, did drop in the last reading. Uh, and uh, we saw in the University of Michigan sentiment uh, survey that fell as well. Uh, but on the flip side, we continue to see really strong uh, data uh, coming out of dur durable goods orders. Uh, we had a really strong gain, even ex excluding transportation. We had a 2.3% jump in core orders, um, which kind of strips out some of the more volatile sectors, uh, which, you know, we, we see a lot of uh, resurgent business investment. We see capital spending trends really beginning to pick up, and that's uh, extremely positive. Uh, and then, of course, with inflation, we did see a fairly strong uh, jump uh, in inflation, really the highest pace on the personal consumption expenditures uh, uh, indicator that, that we've seen in really about 12, 13 years. Uh, and in addition, initial jobless claims uh, were uh, down for the sixth straight weekly reading. Uh, May 21st number was down to 406,000. Uh, meanwhile, new home sales fell more than expected to an annualized 863,000. Uh, we clearly are witnessing higher material input costs there, even though lumber's kind of rolled off of its peak. Uh, 
Um, and that's leading to an increase in home prices. Uh, personal income fell by less than expected, 13% in April, uh, following the kind of the roll off of some of the federal stimulus uh, payments. So as we look at the index and kind of, you know, the puts and takes, so the S&P 500 is up 39% in the last 12 months. Uh, and I mentioned, you know, the valuations being supported by low interest rates. So the, the index itself is trading at 22 times forward earnings. And that, that is expensive. But like I mentioned, earnings are, are really moving higher. Earnings are up 40%. So the multiple is actually coming down from, from its uh, peak level. So the market, in a relative sense, is not as expensive as it was. A little interesting read through. If you look at value versus growth, uh, value as defined by the Russell 1000 value index has beaten its growth counterpart by 12% uh, year to date. And usually where the difference in price to earnings multiples between growth and value has been about five point, you know, about five to 6%, uh, that number is like over 10, excuse me, not five to 10, 6%, but five to six times. That multiple is five to six times higher uh, that multiple differential is is actually over 10 times now. So uh, it's, um, you know, I'd say that, you know, growth is still, you know, for the most part, overvalued relative to value, uh, if you will. But value is outperformed here recently. And I think in a cyclical recovery where there's more of an emphasis on cyclical companies, I think that's going to continue to favor value and is something that we definitely want to continue to emphasize in our portfolios. Um, so there's a lot of positivity in the market. You know, we, we've got negative real yields, which in the short run, I think are positive for stocks because it pushes money into uh, into their best and highest use. And right now uh, there is no alternative to the U S stock market. Uh, obviously we've had, huge quantitative easing and lots of liquidity in the market. Uh, we have, you know, cost cutting from the pandemic out there. We've had reasonably strong economic growth numbers. Uh, speculation is down a bit. You know, we've talked a lot in, in prior broadcasts about uh, SPACs and technology and IPOs and a lot of speculative dollars that are chasing opportunities uh, but uh, what's interesting is there are a lot of uh, some of these special purpose acquisition companies where the, that have raised a lot of money. They're actually now having trouble trying to find things to buy. So I think we've seen a little bit of a bloom come off that rose. And, um, and I think that area of the market will continue to be volatile. So and, and if you look at uh, you know, maybe some other things, um, you know, I, I obviously I mentioned an improving economy. You know, we've got a lot of both fiscal and monetary stimulus. And let's not forget that we've got a, a country that's being vaccinated, even though the world may be lagging behind. A lot of areas like India are, are really struggling with that right now. The U.S. is opening up. Uh, vaccination rates are really, really uh, ramping higher. And that's that's a theme that's been ongoing for quite some time. And I honestly think that it's going to continue uh, into the fall. So, but if we look at concerns, um, you know, clearly we've got, you know, the risk of higher rates um, based on inflation expectations. And we see the ex expectation number at the consumer level moving a lot higher than where the Fed is. And so um, that's going to be interesting to watch because sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
if you're expecting higher um, inflation in the future, it could influence your purchasing patterns now, and it could almost self-reinforce that type of notion. So we need to watch that. But you know, if we have higher inflation, the theory is that we're going to have higher rates, and that's going to lead to more pressure to the equity market. It's going to compress those price-to-earnings multiples and could put pressure on the market. And uh, right now, we're looking for about 2% yield on the 10-year Treasury. Again, that's about 1.6 now. So we don't know uh, how it's really going to play out, uh, but uh, a 2% yield uh, would, I think, still signify a growth type environment for equities. Uh, of course, we've got tax increases being talked about. I think the uh, a broad sweeping package is very hard to contemplate right now, although there's going to likely be some horse trading uh, in Washington and, and some give back in a few areas, perhaps a slight increase in the corporate tax rate uh, and you know perhaps really high income thresholders uh, thresholds for capital gains uh, tax changes. Um, you know we might have uh, some um, uh, you know speculation that that percolates, you know again, that there's a lot of liquidity trying to find a home right now and so uh, that could lead to more volatility and then, you know, frankly, we've got a lot of inflows into equities, which is good from a demand standpoint. But again, it could lead to a little bit more volatility. Uh, and then obviously, you know, from a pandemic standpoint, we could see some hiccups in this uh, global recovery uh, related to uneven vaccination patterns, et cetera. And, you know, so we've got an inflation surprise, rising yields. We've got uh, the, the risk of, I think the risk of a credit type default scenario where you see a rise in defaults, I think that's really gone away. It was it was a legitimate threat uh, about a year ago. And we have seen such a strong response. Corporations, even though they're taking on more debt, their interest burden is very low because they're taking on that debt at very low interest rates. Uh, and so from a, from a financial condition standpoint, uh, corporate America is actually in pretty good shape. Uh, and so is a household too. So, uh, but, you know, if we see tax increases or inflation that is not expected, uh, you know, if, if it's a, an inflation number that is not expected and it's a lot higher than, than is estimated, that could move the Fed to begin to start this conversation about, um, about uh, raising interest rates sooner. And I think that would uh, probably put the brakes on the equity market for the, for the time being. Um, and then let's see, we've got, uh, obviously we always have the risk of a policy mistake and that's usually what sends economies into recession. But I think the global backdrop and the U.S. financial condition is strong enough that, uh, such that I don't think that, that that's an issue here, but uh, in any case, uh, let's see. You know, what's interesting also is the U.S. Uh, Central Bank is really taking a very measured approach to uh, to interest rate increases, uh, whereas around the world, other central banks are beginning to take a more hawkish tone. And we've seen several central banks um, really start to talk about interest rate increases. And so the implications of that 
are that, uh, that you know, as rates abroad move higher and U.S. rates remain stubbornly low, then there's a kind of a relative value differential that could cause a dollar to weaken a little bit, which in turn would help U.S. exporters. Um, so it's an interesting set of dynamics that we'll just have to watch uh, going uh, forward. So um, I'd say really the other perhaps uh, modest takeaways is that uh, we're seeing good fund flows um, and uh, we're seeing a very positive tone from coming out of CEOs. I've already mentioned that there's a lot of um, emphasis on capital spending and increased spending and we see a lot of dividend growth uh, out in the market uh, and we see a lot of uh, increase in share repurchase activity. So there's kind of a, a kind of a combination of, of a lot of things that are helping to support equity prices here. Again, bonds have been stubbornly low despite this hint of inflation. I think they're going to remain low until the Fed literally comes out and says, hey, we're going to be in raising interest rates before too long. Uh, and, and I wouldn't doubt that that's coming perhaps, uh, you know, six to nine months down the road. So we've, we're in this uh, unusually uh, quiescent period right now uh, where there seems to be a lot of data that's aligned, even though maybe the, the, the latest data uh, in some areas was not as strong as expected. But I still think the backdrop is entirely positive uh, and the outlook is on balance positive, barring and, uh, either that policy mistake I said uh, I talked about or some type of uh, you know, very unexpected high inflation numbers uh, that could serve as a catalyst for a mild correction here in the market. Well, with that, we're going to conclude for uh, this week. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, appreciate your comments and cares and concerns. You can reach me at uh, eric, E-R-I-C, at bkawealth.com. Our website at www.bkawealth.com, uh, or you can reach us at 512-522-4838. Hope you have a safe week, a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you again soon.